The Miami Dolphins have had a slew of roster signings over the course of the last 24 hours, including one key addition that might be just the boost the Dolphins need for their special teams in 2023. You are Locked On Dolphins, your daily Miami Dolphins podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's going on, Dolphins fans? Kyle Krabs on Locked on Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked on Network. Today is Thursday, March 16th, 2023, and the Dolphins have been busy over the course of the past 24 hours. They introduced the South Florida media to Jalen Ramsey. They formally announced a number of previously reported signings, and they've had some new signings of their own, including one such player who might be exactly what the Dolphins need to help their woeful 2022 special teams performance. We're going to talk about all that here today on the show. Today's episode of Locked on Dolphins is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of the NFL. Make every moment more. Visit FanDuel.com slash Locked on today to get started. I want to talk about a couple of signings that have come through over the course of the past 24 hours. Uh, There's a tight end from Denver. There's a safety from Detroit. There's a wide receiver from New York, or I guess New Jersey. There's a lot. There's a lot of developments. There's been a lot of uh, film that's been watched over the course of the past 18 hours or so from yours. Truly had a chance to watch three games of safety. Deshaun Elliott, one of the Dolphins' new signings in the secondary. Wide receiver slash return specialist Braxton Berrios from New York. Mike White, the quarterback from New York. And then Eric Saubert, the tight end from Denver. I want to start with Braxton Berrios because Berrios is a player who this time last year got a decent sized deal from the New York Jets and and was labeled by myself and plenty of other people who cover the team as a potential sensible addition to the Dolphins roster. And it only helped his case that he played his football at dot, dot, dot in the University of Miami. He was a member of the uh, 2018 NFL Draft class. And I did this last week for a couple of players, and and uh, specifically David Long Jr. I think actually that was earlier this week, having a hard time uh, keeping the day separated. But what I did was I went back and I reread some of my college scouting report for that player. And I want to do that with a couple of the players that we have here, including Braxton Berrios. So Let's set the table with Braxton Barris. He came in through the NFL draft process, participated in 2018 Senior Bowl, uh, 5085, so 5'8 and 5'8, 177 pounds. Uh, Did not get an athletic profile with athletic testing for him throughout the course of his career at Miami. He caught 100 passes, 1,175 receiving yards, and 14 receiving touchdowns. I want to read through some of the specifics of individual traits. And I observed with Braxton Berrios because what I really think he is is the deluxe version of what the Dolphins had last year in River Craycraft. And I do think this is a player who will resolve the Dolphins' return game issues that they have had uh, since trading away Jakeem Grant, ironically enough. Uh, Jakeem was a player with his own set of pros and cons, uh, but his departure led the Dolphins to kind of a bumpy ride in the return game last year. Not a lot of value added. And and I think this addition kind of further pushes Cedric Wilson um, onto the fringe. Wilson 
scheduled to eight million dollars this year. They could save six of against the cap if they could trade him. He kind of worked his way into the return role throughout the course of the year last year. Raheem Mostert was back on kickoffs. Berrios, he's done this the last two years for the Jets. He's a first-team All-Pro in 2021 as a returner as both punts and kicks. He's done that primarily uh, for the Jets in each of the past two seasons. But I want to read through some offensive traits. Route running. Does his best work on short stems and shallow breaks when able to showcase foot quickness and roll through a cut without having the gear back down. Struggles against press coverage, particularly when pinned to the sideline and not able to use the full field. The slot receipt. Uh, hands. Hands are sticky and do well to greet the football away from his frame. Is not a player content to let the ball get into his frame, which pr protects from contested catches and allows for some difficult receptions. Late body adjustments to the ball do well to get hands in proper positioning on time. Speed. More quick than fast. Second gear is pedestrian at best, but initial acceleration is strong to get off the line of scrimmage and pressure off coverage. Doesn't have breakaway speed and shouldn't be considered a huge rack threat in the open field. Competitive toughness, gritty receiver, unafraid to extend body and put self in precarious situations when addressing football, doesn't have any apprehension looking into the middle of the field and trying to provide a sit-down target in linebacker territory against zone coverage. Football intelligence, uh, still green in the starting role as receiver, needs to be more self-aware of hand fighting and placement of, to free arm uh, when trying to fight off tackles. The pro comparison I had for him was Cole Beasley, who, of course, uh, made his headway with the Buffalo Bills. Uh, his best trait was foot quickness. His worst trait was functional play strength, which to be expected for a player who's 5'8", 180 pounds. And the optimum scheme fit and roll. Braxton Berrios is a polished route runner, but will struggle to win reps on the boundary due to his lack of size, strength, and linear speed. As a result, he projects most favorably as a short area target from the slot and is a capable returner as well. The Dolphins got Berrios on a one-year deal. His addition, um, we've been waiting to see what happens with Trent Sherfield. We've been waiting to see if the Dolphins are going to find a trade partner for Patrick Wilson. We've been waiting to see uh, what happens with River Craycraft. I think this maneuver puts the River Craycraft roster spot in big-time jeopardy because this is a player who is capable of not just being a depth receiver as a shifty quicker than fast type player, but also a player who can handle return duties as both kickoff and return and punt returning for the Dolphins. That's a huge get. And what's interesting is people will talk about Braxton Berrios and you'll feel his impression the most on special teams because he's featured touching the football. But when you look out across some of the other signings that the Dolphins have made over the course of the past 24 hours or signings that have been announced, whether the team has formally announced them or not, special teams is a pretty consistent theme for all of those additions. And that's what we're going to talk about here next. A couple other players who have played in predominant special teams roles for their respective teams on the games that I watched of them to learn about their games as NFL players as compared to what I knew about them coming out of college. But before we get there, is the midway point of the NBA season, and now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't hit. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It's safe, secure, super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and everything in between. FanDuel even lets you combine your bets for a chance at bigger payouts with same-game parlays. So if you see a lot of action on one game that you know really well, 
that you feel like you're going to get yourself a couple of winners, you can parlay those bets together in the same game. FanDuel, don't miss out on the chance for your no-sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to FanDuel.com slash locked on. That is FanDuel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. Let's talk about Deshaun Elliott. Sean Elliott, uh, safety, previously from the University of Texas. Uh, this is an interesting addition uh, because Deshaun Elliott was teammates with Brandon Jones at Texas in the same way that the Dolphins have Verone McKinley and Javon Holland as a pair of teammates on the back end from Oregon. They now have a pair of teammates from Texas. Deshaun Elliott, um, I also have his scouting report up. I liked him quite a bit coming out of Texas. He's a productive football player, a lot of ball production, nine interceptions throughout the course of his career at Texas. He was also a member of the 2018 NFL draft class. He started his career in Baltimore. Uh, he then transitioned to Detroit. He's dealt with some injuries over the course of his career. Um, but Elliott is a very, very physical player. When he came through the NFL draft process, he was a junior. He declared early. He was six foot one, 210 pounds, and had 32 and a quarter inch arms. It's a lot of length. Now, he didn't test with great speed, but he was above average in the standing broad jump and the vertical jump. So his low body explosiveness was above average. Um, he's known for striking. This is a big hitter type of player, as you would expect with a 210 pound safety. Um, Ironically enough, the comp that I had for him coming out was Rashad Jones, who for a decade was one of a few plus starters on Miami's defense throughout the 2010s. Uh, his best trait was ball skills. His worst trait was his man cover skills. And I think that's apparent when you watched Deshaun Elliott in Detroit last year. I was surprised how much interchangeability he and Kirby Joseph, the third round safety, uh, who's a rookie last year uh, for Detroit, they had a fair amount of interchangeability about who was in the high post, who was down low in the box. And I think that, you know, is obviously a good testament for Vic Fangio and the intentions and disguising the intentions of your defense. He had an interception against Detroit on a, um, a short post that the receiver bobbled and kind of kicked up into the air. And he made a diving uh, adjustment near midfield to haul in that interception. And, um, was very active in that game. Uh, Detroit was not competitive in that game, but Elliott himself had over 10 tackles, had the interception. Uh, then I went back and, and watched another game in the middle of the season and then watched the Green Bay game to close the year. And um, what I ended up kind of getting a feel for, for Deshaun Elliott, he did not dress for the, the Dolphins game that they played against Detroit last season. I think this is a player who's well-served to be your third or fourth safety. I think if he has to start the year, if Brandon Jones is not ready to go, it's okay. Um, but he played on the punt team. You know, we kind of teased the special teams component here. He was on the punt team and getting downfield and covering punts and um, very, very physical player when he was around the football. I want to read through a couple of, of assessments that I had from him coming out of Texas, which I think are still relevant to who he is now that can kind of, help to paint the picture of who this player is, why I think he's your ideal, your third or fourth safety who plays special teams, 
can play in sub packages. If you need him for a short stretch of time as a starting safety, you're good. Uh, but I think the ceiling with Brandon Jones is probably higher. I will say I think the the usage that was best for Deshaun Elliott, uh, in spite of the ball skills being something that was a plus in deeper coverages, I thought his instincts were better closer to the line of scrimmage. I liked him more as kind of the will backer in a subgroup or being somebody who was kind of pressed up uh, over top of tight ends and playing in the box, kind of like Brandon Jones. I, I think that that physical skill set more closely mirrors Brandon Jones than it does Javon Holland. Coverage spacing can get caught in between zones against running threats. Will get held by the mesh point. Length is effective to influence plays, even if not immediately on the body of receivers. Uh, is most disciplined on vertical responsibilities to stay leveraged over top. Tackling is a booming hitter with a heavy set of pads. Would like to see some more dedication to wrapping up to finish plays. Has bounced off some potential tackles. Overall plays with a confidence to go toe to toe with any comers and is an asset as a tackler. Uh, Man cover skills, has the movement skills and length to play turn and run coverage with tight ends or bigger receivers in the slot, has not spent a lot of time playing turn and run coverage, so expectation is there will be development required here. Uh, he got beat by Robert Tunyon in the last game of the season, in the regular season, from the slot on a ball up the field where he had to turn and run and get attached back to the body of Tunyon and uh, could not adjust and, and elevate to challenge the football, so I thought that was a good encapsulation of that element of his game that I think was relevant when I watched him coming out of Texas that I still think has uh, a lot of relevance here. Uh, competitive toughness enforcer type in the middle of the field looks to drop shoulder on ball carries when buzzing down into the pile effort level to stay in pursuit is strong, has a great level of physicality to play off blocks and stand strong on tackles when he wraps up. And then flexibility is the other one to note, just because I do think this does pop up for him a little bit when he, he has uh when his range is tested, when he's de defending the deeper areas of the field, uh, struggles with late redirection when scraping laterally to flow with ball carriers will get cut back inside off his hip. Ability to adjust late to deflected flows, deflected throws, and attempt to make catches is excellent. However, can be a touch stiff when trying to flip and carry vertical routes up the field when tested over the top. So this is a player who. You probably don't want as your last line of defense if you're playing zone coverage, however, and you're playing middle of the field open coverage where you're in two high shells, whether that's quarters or cover two. Um, thought he showed enough discipline to be able to stay leveraged over top in those situations. I would not match him against receivers in the slot. I think he liked Brandon Jones. He's, he's a great insurance policy for Brandon Jones being ready for the start of the season. If you contrast him to Clayton Fejdelum, who, however, who was safety three at times for the Dolphins during his tenure with the team, this is a definitive upgrade. I don't think it's close. Uh, I, I'm excited, very excited for this to be the player that if you do have to adjust, if you do have to pivot with one of your starters going down, I actually feel like Deshaun Elliott's a perfectly feasible player to get you through a game or get you through a stretch of games, even if you might not want him starting back there for 17 games. And hence the Dolphins signed him on a one-year deal for less than $2 million. That's generally been the theme uh, for the Dolphins over the course of the last 24 hours or so is locking in a bunch of players uh, on one-year deals, small contracts, be that Miles Gaskin, Braxton Berrios on a one-year deal, 
Eric Saubert's on a one-year deal. Jerron Christian and Kendall Lamb, both at offensive tackle, are on one-year deals. Dan Feeney, uh, the offensive guard from New York, is on a one-year deal as well. Uh, Deshaun Elliott's on a one-year deal, as we mentioned. So a lot of uh, short-term bridges, economic buys. Uh, what, what's exciting about these players, or at least some of these players, the ones that we're going to showcase here between Saubert, uh, Braxton Barrios, and Deshaun Elliott, I feel like those are players who can have significant contributions to the team this year in spite of being low value, right? Because if Deshaun Elliott ends up taking the Eric Rowe role on your defense and after Eric Rowe was elevated with the Brandon Jones injury, Eric Rowe spent half the year as the second best safety on the team. This is a player who's more physical, uh, longer, and I think probably at this stage in their respective careers has a little bit more athletic upside uh, and and Elliot plays to the the role of being a run fit player a little better than than Rowe has. Although I do think that was probably Eric's best value that he illustrated last year. But he's coming at a quarter. Deshaun Elliott's coming at a quarter of the cost than what Eric Rowe cost the team. So uh, we are going to talk about Eric Saubert next to the tight end from the Denver Broncos as a good addition to this tight end room. And, and that will be the last player we're showcasing here on today's episode of Locked On Dolphins as we get to know a number of the newest members of the team and what they are bringing to the table for the Dolphins. Eric Saubert. I scouted this player as well um, with my previous scouting uh, venture, NDT Scouting. Started that in 2014, was there till 2018 transitioned to the draft network and have uh, recently transitioned completely to locked on, which is very exciting. Very excited about my ability to fully commit myself to the locked on opportunities that are here with locked on NFL scouting, which is committed to pro scouting across the NFL and team building in general. And of course you're on locked on dolphins. So we're going to go back in the past 2017, Eric Saubert uh, from Drake university. Came through the NFL Combine. He was a redshirt senior. He was my eighth-rated tight end that year. I had him 139th on my, my draft board that season. Developmental tight end. Um, 190 receptions, 2,253 receiving yards, and 21 receiving touchdowns at Drake, uh, the, which is the FCS level. He was 6'4 and 3 quarters, 253 pounds, ran a 4.86 in the 40-yard dash. He was... Slightly above average in both of his lower body explosive jumps, the vertical jump and the standing broad jump, uh, and had 33 and a half inch arms, so very good wingspan as well. Uh, hands that were just short of 10 and a half inches, so large hands. You talk about catching away from your frame, so on and so forth. Uh, that's Eric Saubert. Now, Eric Saubert, throughout the course of his NFL career, I think is particularly interesting because he's kind of a blend of he's an effective blocker. But I think there's some appeal for him as a receiver in certain elements. Uh, sitting down in soft zones against zone coverage, as far as like chip, delay releases, kind of helping your offensive lineman out in protection and then getting out into the flats and being a physical player who I think moves pretty well to get up the field. But he also ran the seam effectively in 2022 a number of different times. I watched three games of Saubert in Denver, and in two of them he got up the seam and made a big catch up the seam uh, behind the linebackers. One of those was uh, the Indianapolis Colts game. Uh, I believe another one was the Kansas City Chiefs game. So 
Have some notes for Eric Saubert. want to read them to you from my thoughts from 2017. Uh, know that anything that I'm spotlighting here, I think, is, is fairly relevant to who this player is now uh, for the Dolphins and what he will bring to the table. Saubert is an intriguing middle-round option for a team looking to add size to their crop of tight ends and middle-of-the-field receivers. He will face a notable transition due to his time at Drake at the FCS level, but there's promising signs that he's a cerebral player who's able to acclimate to the complexity of the NFL game as well to flatten his breaks or hinge his stems to avoid defensive leverage, providing an optimal throwing target for his quarterback. When playing along the line of scrimmage, Saubert has issues with getting his hands, hips, and feet aligned. As a result, his efforts as an inline player are irregular. However, he can provide quality looks, should be a viable red zone target and a receiver in the middle of the field. High upside for an early day three investment. As far as individual traits, Liked him a little bit better at Drake as a route runner than I think what he's become, but I think that's also a testament to uh, the athletic profile being a slightly above average athletic profile at the tight end position. Uh, he's come a long way as a, a blocker as well. Uh, he's more effective. I thought he was more effective in space than working from inline positions. That's evened out a little bit. I don't think he's an overwhelming blocker, uh, but he's somebody who from a body position uh, perspective and from a competitive toughness perspective really showcases the, the qualities that you want and um, the ability to go toe to toe with defensive ends. Watched him handle uh, Yannick Ngakwe, a defensive end uh, on one rep and really helped to seal the edge and, and create a large lane off the right-hand side of the offensive line and point of attack. Watched him climb on a down block on a double up into uh, Bobby O'Karakee a linebacker who just signed a four-year, $40 million contract with the New York Giants and create an effective seal there and kind of re-anchor and, and uh, secure that block as well. So this is a step in the right direction in my mind. I think if this is your best player in the tight end room, you're probably in trouble. Do I like his skill set better than that of Durham Smythe? Yes, but I am like the notably low person in Dolphins media, it feels like on Durham Smythe and what his ceiling is as a player. But I think Durham's quality depth. I think if you look at Durham Smythe and Eric Saubert, and if either one of those two guys is your tight end too, you're doing okay. Um, I, I think Saubert has the potential to probably give you a little bit more up the field. Uh, I think he's a little bit more dynamic to play detached from the line of scrimmage or from the formation than what Durham Smythe is. Uh, and I'm interested to see what other kinds of skill sets they go after. I would love to see them add another player of this capacity with probably a little bit higher ceiling as a blocker. At the end of the day, your tight ends aren't going to be volume receivers in the passing offense. Not when you have the skill sets that you have elsewhere on the team. Now, if you find a unicorn that you can run the passing offense through if you needed to, great. But I'm not looking for volume pass catchers. I'm not looking for somebody I'm going to throw the ball to 55, 60 plus times. And I think Eric Salbert's that kind of player. Case in point, I think he set career highs and he was like 20 receptions for 200 yards or something like that. Just short of those numbers, I believe last year were, was the best numbers that, that he uh, illustrated. But he was also another player who played on the punt team. Interestingly enough. So I, I thought it was very interesting to watch these players that were coming in and some of the names who... Uh, you'd expect us have roles within the offense and defense, but uh, upgrades over some of the players who were playing on the kicking game. Lest we forget, you know, the team has not brought back Trent Sherfield yet. Trent was a complimentary player in the passing game and on the offense as a role player. 
I won him back, but he played on the punt team. Well, they went out and got a couple other guys that that could potentially take the role that he fulfilled. Clayton Feshton was a guy who was on the punt team. Went out and got a guy at his position who can potentially give you better play and also have handle those special teams reps. I don't think it's a coincidence that these one-year small dollar amount players are coming in and that's that's kind of the the role that you see the overlap with where there should be opportunity with the Dolphins and, and the 2023 team. So uh, I feel good about these additions. Uh, I really, really like the Saubert, Berrios, and uh, Deshaun Elliott additions. After watching all three of those players, I classified them from a uh, player assessment perspective as quality depth players for their respective positions. Um, I think you probably don't want any of them starting other than Berrios probably starting as your returner in both kicking and punting game. As far as the rest of the group, um, they got some bodies for the offensive line. I don't know that I love that the what the DNA of these guys looks like as far as Dan Feeney, who's a third-round pick, and uh, it's kind of pinballed around a little bit. He had some injury issues going back to college at Indiana. Um, played with the Jets most recently. Uh, he signed to come down. Jerron Christian was on the team last year. Kendall T Lamb was on the team at the end of the year last year. All of those players, in my eyes, are development or are replacement level players. Um, I think you need to get better bodies there. But I said this on yesterday's show, and I'll say it again: I'm not pushing the panic button until it's August 1st, and the bodies that we have look like the bodies we have right now. And I will also say between Teron Armstead, Robert Hunt, and Connor Williams, you have three quality starters or better on your offensive line out of a potential five spots. I'm not going to expect you to have eight offensive linemen that are quality starters, adequate starters, or roster cornerstones. It's just the numbers game doesn't work out that way at the NFL level, right? It's If it was that easy to find quality offensive linemen, you wouldn't have the dearth of uh, offensive line issues that you do across the NFL. You got to find what ideally an adequate starter to compete for one of those other two spots, ideally two adequate starters or better to compete for those two spots. I don't know that you've resolved any of the issues, but at least you're looking at it saying, wow, we, we have three tackles under contract and one of them is Keon Smith. Progress, players that are easily cuttable, players that are, are easily, you know, when it's all said and done, they may not even have their roster. Like Jerron Christian's $1.08 million dollars. That might not even be a top 51 uh, salary when this team is done. We still have to figure out a couple of these numbers for contracts. We need to figure out what the, the Barrios deal is at the time of this recording. It's not out. The, the specific details of the Gaskin deal aren't out yet. I still haven't got my hands on the David Long contract yet. I'm fascinated to see if that's a couple million dollars lying around for the Dolphins to be able to tap into. So uh, when the dust settles here, we'll probably revisit the cap here probably in the next week. But uh, for the time being, they're up over 51 names. You're probably somewhere between 5 and $8 million at your disposal. Anytime you add somebody else, you drop off the 51st highest salary that you have at your disposal and you go from there. So um, excited for a couple of these additions as, as quality signings, uh, good value signings that should have feasible and significant roles on the team. Uh, so looking forward to see what the Dolphins do next. And if you want to follow along, you can check us out. You can find Locked On Dolphins on the our YouTube channel, Locked On Dolphins, or anywhere that you listen to your favorite podcasts. If you're on YouTube, 
like this video, hit subscribe, click the bell, get the notifications when we go live. If you are audio only, I kindly invite you to come check out the Dolphins, Locked On Dolphins YouTube channel. We have a good time over here. The chat always seems to get bumping depending on when we, we put the show up and uh, look forward to interacting with you guys intermittently throughout the course of that as well. So keep it locked in right here on Locked On Dolphins, your team every day here on the Locked On Network. Fins up, make it a great rest of your day, and I will talk with you all again tomorrow.